Hi there, everybody. Welcome to Psychology Club Podcast. Uh, we're here with Jillian uh, Sakara with Sandy Hook Promise. She's been with the organization for about seven months now. Uh, let's give her a warm welcome. Uh, so starting off, we'll just give names. This is Liz, this is Chris, Hiya. I'm Nick, this is Drake, that's Cassie, and Jillian. All right, let's get started. All right, let's start off with an oldie but goldie. What, st- what compelled you to start this organization? So I didn't start the organization myself. It was founded by a group of family members who lost children in the Sandy Hook Elementary shooting. So what compelled me to join the organization was that in the gun violence prevention space, there's a lot of focus on the legal side, but I was more interested in doing the local side. So what you can do in your community, how you can shape you know, what's going on at the local level, and I think Sandy Hook Promise does the best job of that because we talk to people like you who actually know what's going on in your community. All right. Let's move on. What year was the organization founded? So the organization was founded in 2013, about a month after the shooting in 2012. All right. What is your organization's main goal? So ultimately our goal is to prevent all gun-related deaths, whether it's accidental, via suicide, via homicide. But beyond that, we are trying to work on a cultural shift about how we address violence, about how we address self-harm, making sure that people don't ignore signals, ignore signs, making sure people take it seriously when they're concerned about something. All right. Uh, What services do you provide to different schools? So we do all cost-free programming, and there are four programs, so you guys know two of them, you've seen them. The first is Start With Hello, which focuses on social inclusion, and the second is Say Something, which trains students in how to talk to a trusted adult in their life, or how to report using our online system if they're concerned about something, whether it's self-harm, whether it's bullying, whether it's abuse, or, you know, a more serious threat. And then the two programs y'all haven't seen are our staff-facing programs. So the first is called Signs of Suicide, and that's a train-the-trainer model. So we train your teachers how to talk to you guys about understanding signs of suicide, what that looks like, how to kind of look out for your friends. And then we also do a program called Safety Assessment and Intervention, which is a full-day program, and it's run in partnership with a research team at the University of Virginia that's been studying gun violence for about 20-plus years. And we talk to your teachers about what to do if, they're concerned about a student, if a student is bringing a gun to school, how they should react to keep all of you safe. Okay. Uh, do you have a rough estimate of how many schools you guys have worked with? Yeah, so I looked this up for you guys last night. So in terms of in-person schools, like when I come in and see you guys, I'm working with about 50 schools across the mm-hmm. Bay. In terms of schools that generally I work with, which is more me being on the phone with them or having email contact, it's closer to 150. Okay. Uh, what obstacles did the founders of Sandy Hook Promise encounter when they started the organization? So initially, they were going the legislative route, and they were pushing for universal background checks, and they really thought that would be the path forward, and then it was defeated, and they realized they needed to go back to the drawing board, and they actually took some time off and you know, weren't out in the public space, weren't out in the public eye, and they talked to experts, they talked to different people about what they thought would do best, and that's where the most recent iteration of the foundation came from. So if you had seen this in 2013, it looks completely different than what it looks like now mm-hmm. because they realized what they were doing wasn't going to work. They weren't going to beat their heads against the wall. They wanted to restart. So that's the biggest kind of obstacle so far has been realizing that legislative action wasn't the way forward and kind of navigating a new path. Okay. Uh, what pushed uh, Sandy Hook Promise to create Start With Hello Week? So two things. I mean, Start With Hello in general 
is just about social inclusion because people are less likely to hurt other people or themselves when they have someone they can talk to, when they feel like they're part of something. And the call to action week itself, start with Hello Week, it's just easier to do something if you see other people doing it, right? If you can connect with other schools and a friend of yours who goes to school down the way is doing it, it's easier to get excited for it. And especially, I think, you know, people are busy. You guys have so much going on. It's nice to have everything in one week. And you can be like, okay, great. We'll take care of all of our activities this week. We'll talk to everybody this week. We don't need to worry about doing something every single day in class. So a call to action week is basically just time for you guys to get thinking, get started, and be able to see what other schools are doing. The question that everybody has been super hyped for, say something about the Say Something app. Okay, so you guys have been trained on the Say Something app, so you, I should actually be quizzing you. I won't, but I could. Um, so the Say Something app, it's, it's an app, it's a website, and it's a 24-7 hotline, and it's manned full-time by trained crisis counselors. So the idea is that you can always submit a report, and it may be that you're not near a trusted adult or you don't have a trusted adult in your life you can talk to about something you've seen. So your school is already registered on the platform, so you just go on, you click what school you're from, and you type in what you're concerned about, and then you have a conversation with the counselor. They get more information, as much or as little information as you can provide, and then they can alert your school team about what's happening. And if necessary, if they think you know it's a life safety tip, danger is imminent, they'll maybe talk to law enforcement. But it's just a way for people who maybe you know don't have someone standing in front of them to talk to you to get help and to get help for a friend. Uh, how does Say Something help you reach different crowds? I think. Are you talking about Say Something app or Say Something yeah. Yeah. program? Yeah, so mm -hmm. the app, yeah. it's great because I know people don't always have an adult they trust in their life. Maybe your person who you trust most is your peer, but they're not the person who can maybe get the help that you need. So it's great because it connects you to a team of adults who do have your back, they are looking out for you. You don't know them, but they have your best interests at heart. And it just makes sure that no one ever lets something fall through the cracks because they're nervous about talking to an adult. Chris? All right. So, have school shootings increased or have people just become more aware of the problem? So, both, and I actually got some data for you. So, according to the K-12 shooting database, which reports every time a gun is brandished or bullet hits school property for any reason, 2018 had the most incidents of gun violence on school campuses ever recorded, and that's more than double than any other year since 1970. That's actually pretty sad. Yeah. And uh, how do you think, and, um, if you have kids or kid relatives, are you scared that they'll become a victim of school shooting? So I don't have kids yet, but I plan to, and I do think just that first day of school pep talk, it's not just like, you're gonna have a good time, you're gonna meet new people, it's now become, this is what to do if they tell you to do a lockdown drill. I think the way we prepare children for school is changing to make them feel less safe, which is crazy, because you guys should always feel safe in school. It's a great place to be. Yeah. How do you feel about African-American gun violence? I think that people assume and in the black community, gun violence is inevitable, which is insane because people don't assume that about other communities. And I think people have, get this sense of, like, it's settled, it's done. And in reality, you know, I think you should never assume anything is settled and you should never assume that any violence is never going to be prevented. And realistically, I mean, again, I got data for you because I like numbers. So the Violence Policy Center did a study kind of looking at homicide across the country and black men are four times more likely to die via homicide than their peers in the white community or any other community. And on top of that, 86% of the homicides that are committed against black men are with a firearm. So obviously, there's more violence happening in the community, and I know it's, it's tough to not get, to not become hopeless, to not assume that that's never gonna be solved. But ultimately, I think like all change, it comes from someone standing up and looking out for someone else. And whether that's 
you see somebody you're a little concerned about and you go over and talk to them and kind of touch base and maybe they're just, they have something at home they're worried about or you see somebody bring a weapon to school or have a weapon and you talk to an adult in your life there are moments when you can intervene and I think it's just it's harder when you are facing something that seems so massive when it seems like oh gun violence in the black community how could I ever solve that and in reality it's, it only happens when you do these small things they build up to massive things you have to chip away at it a bit, bit by bit. I know that's so like easier said than done, right? It yeah, sounds, very much so. It sounds so easy, but in honesty, like it's the only way it happens is if you're willing to take these small stands as you go. Yeah, and I know I asked you this question earlier before the um, interview started, but what are your thoughts on the New Zealand shooting that happened last week? I'm simultaneously heartbroken and encouraged because no one should ever feel unsafe going to mosque. No one should ever feel that they can't be themselves and celebrate their religion. But on the flip side, we've seen so many young people really coming out and supporting that community, showing up, lighting candles, doing the haka dance, you know, just going around the community and trying to let people know they're welcome. And I'm also very excited to see how fast legislation is moving. There's already talks about changing gun laws. And I saw this morning um, an online retailer has agreed to stop selling certain types of guns online. You know, there's, there's quick action, which is encouraging. We'll have to see if it's sustained, but hopefully. Days change. <laughs> what does an average day of working for Sandy Hook Promise look like for you? So there is no average day. That's kind of why I like the job. So today I'm with y'all in the morning, and then I'm going to see another school in the afternoon, and then a principal's meeting at night. Um, tomorrow I have, you know, back-to-back -back meetings at schools all day. But then the rest of the week, I'm going to be just working from my office at the public library, which is just a table at the public library that I call my office. And I just will be getting stuff ready for a big training I have next week, which is a suicide prevention training. So just getting the paperwork together and everything signed and printed and packets assembled. So it changes every day. Okay. Um, how has this um, shooting at Sandy Hook um, impacted you personally? I think it just reminded me that there's no entry age, which is something we talked to y'all about when, when you know we came to speak at the school. And I, But I think we also have to think about there's no entry age for someone hurting others, but also for being hurt. And I think we sometimes assume all children are innocent, all children, you know, they're, they're small, they're babies, but in reality, you have to look out for people even who are very young. And to, to me, for example, like I think of you guys as pretty young, but in reality, like I know you've seen things, I know you've been through things, there's no reason to think that you wouldn't have been exposed to violence just because you're young. Um, which hurdles at work did you personally face and how did you overcome them? This sounds really silly, but I don't have a car. And when I moved to the Bay Area, I was like, oh, I'll just fart everywhere. It'll be fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like today I rented a car because I'm seeing you guys and I'm going to Danville in a minute. Like, so that sounds really silly. But also I think on the flip side, it does make you appreciate a little bit more about your community, right? Like, I think it makes me, it made me more tolerant if someone's late to a meeting. I'm like, oh, maybe Bart was late, you know? Like, I'm a little bit friendlier because of that. Okay. Uh, what are some positive coping skills you personally use to handle stress? So I listen to music every day, all the time, because I think if you, like, any emotion you could possibly have felt, someone has written a song about it. So any moment you're having, there's some way to connect with that. And then I just call people constantly, at, all the time. I'm just racking up my phone bill. I'm on FaceTime all day. Because I also, you know, I'm from the East Coast, so I don't live near my family. So I just, I call them every night. I see what's up. I talk to my sister in Uganda. You know, I, I talk to my friends. I try and make sure that I am in people's lives. Because I think it's very easy when you're busy or when you're even in a, in a stressful place or a dark place to just kind of sit by yourself. Because 
that's easier and you don't have to bother everyone, but in reality, like, you're just going to harm yourself if you don't talk to other people and you don't let them know what you're thinking. Okay, so to wrap it up, um, does your organization work with others similar to yours? Yeah, so we work with kind of a coalition of different gun violence groups, and I made a list for you guys because I love data. <laughs> so just a couple off the top of my head. It's Everytown, Giffords Law Center, March for Our Lives, which is the Parkland students, the Brady Campaign, Newtown Action Alliance, and Connecticut Against Gun Violence. So we work together, we support each other anywhere we can. So most recently, that's been on universal background checks and extreme risk protection orders. I don't know if you guys know what that is. So uh, an ERPO is basically an order you can get about somebody who owns firearms, and it's an argument that they are going to be a threat to themselves or others, and the police can take their firearms away. Got and it. it basically just makes sure that somebody who represents a credible threat doesn't get to hold onto those, those arms, yeah. That's cool. Um, how can youth get involved? So, start to save promise club. Um, and I think, you know, if you guys or any of your listeners have questions about that, all you have to do is Google S-A-V-E club, and you can learn everything about the website, and that actually, if you click on the website and register, you get sent straight to me, and I can answer any questions. And a save club stands for Students Against Violence Everywhere. And it was started in North Carolina. Um, there was a party one night, and a guy tried to break up a fight at a party and was shot. And his friend started the club to honor his memory and to kind of talk about gun violence and what you guys can do to get out there. I would say I like to kind of branch what you guys can do into two tracks. So the first would be school climate and culture. Mm -hmm. So moments like this, we're having the podcast, times when you come into the school, maybe have a speaker come in, just moments after school. I know when you guys came to the summit, you talked about anger management and stuff, you know, having yoga, having open spaces, having mental health resources. The other side would be political which is more the things that the March for Our Lives you know, activists are working on. So for example, they're doing a huge letter writing campaign this month, and I can show you the website for that. Anyone can look it up. And essentially, they're just asking everyone in the country to write to their lawmakers this month and kind of flood inboxes about gun violence prevention. And the same with people organizing walkouts, people organizing strikes. That's another track you can be on. Oh, that's nice. Um, would you consider Sandy Hook to be successful? I think so. I mean, we've trained, I believe, I don't have the exact up-to-date numbers, but I believe it's over 5 million youth and adults at this point. And I think the more people we train, the more people have these conversations with, the less we kind of assume that mental health will be stigmatized, the less that suicide is stigmatized. And on the violence side, it makes sure people don't, you know, kind of bury that trauma and pretend it didn't happen. It makes sure people feel safe and, and ready to talk about these things. Because if you write them off, then they repeat themselves, right? Yeah. Good. Do you think social media will help you reach more people and how? Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we're not in all 50 states. Mm -hmm. So pretty much any time we want to hit a state that we don't already have someone on the ground in, it's all going to be reliant on our online presence. And even for me, you know, there are schools up by the Oregon border that I'm not driving to myself every day, but maybe they send me something they've tagged on social media and I can share that with other communities. You guys can get connected. And that's great, especially for the call to action weeks, because you guys can see what a school in Texas is doing, and they can see what you're doing, and they kind of can build that community. And I think we talk a lot of time about, you know, social media communities, maybe for the negative. I think especially when you're talking about New Zealand, the alt-right community, and how that can radicalize people. But I see it as a positive, because it connects you guys to other activists and other young people who want the same things you want. Um, how far do you want the organization to all 50 states, 50 states. I want, well, I think I just want us to grow 
you know, as much as possible and speak to as many people as possible. So for me, my Bay Area goal would be complete coverage in the Bay and then up to Sacramento. That's like my next step. I want to be getting up to Sacramento. But there's there's so many schools in the Bay. It's going to take me three years even to get all, all of you guys. I mean. That's cool, though. That's really yeah. nice. What do you wish you had known when you started? I think I wish I had known again, that I need a car in the Bay Area, <laughs> just like, and that sounds so silly, but I wish I had, um, but I think I also, I wish I'd known a little bit more about school schedules, because I think I just didn't think to myself that everybody would have different schedules. In my mind, I was like, everyone will have the same spring break and the same testing schedule. Not true at all. Everyone has completely different schedules, so sometimes you think, for example, oh, you know, March will be a great time. We'll have a bunch. No, March people have spring break. People are busy. People are out for three weeks. Like, you can't get things done in certain months. And I think I just wish I had had, like, a master list of every spring break and every winter break when I started. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, we'd like to thank Jillian for coming out here uh, and spending some time and letting us interview her. Uh, you can check out Sandy Hook Promise at sandyhookpromise.org. Link will be in the description below. Yes. Hopefully. It, it will. Please leave um, <laughs> that there. Thanks for watching. Yeah. yeah.